Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Gospel Nate, the show where we look into the Word of God to see how He wants us to live our lives. Let's jump right into prayer and then get right into some review, shall we? Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your Word once again. Lord, that we know and understand that you have given us the provision we need in our lives to accomplish all of the things that we need. You have not forsaken us or abandoned us, even though we may lose sight of it. And we give you the praise for all of these things, in Jesus' name, amen. So, last week we went over the opening of James 5. We somewhat raced through verses 1 through 4. We had somewhere to go, and there wasn't a whole lot of time to get there. But we did cover the idea that these verses were not about social justice issues. And the truth of the matter is, that most social justice issues stem from selfishness or some form of misdirected pride. The real heart of the matter is just that, your heart. From the word go, Jesus has only ever been concerned about your heart. He isn't worried about how much money you do or do not have. He can literally work with nothing. I mean, that's literally how he created all of existence, from nothing. When he set up the covenant for us, he set up provision. When we enter into that covenant, we enter into that provision. Now, quick disclaimer here, not everyone's provision is going to look the same. Provision does not mean rolling in riches or having the nicest car. It doesn't mean having the nicest tech or the biggest house. Provision just means you're taken care of. Sometimes that simply means you have food on the table and a roof over your head. This is not a prosperity gospel or the idea that if you do not have what everyone else seems to have, that Jesus isn't providing for you. Now, I've wrestled with that in my past. I would look around at other Christians and see what they had compared to myself, and I feel oftentimes back then that I was being left out. Well, for starters, that was selfish and petulant. I just wanted physical things to make me feel important and special so that I could look at my life and say, oh, look at all the things that I've accomplished, or look at all the things that Lord has blessed me with. The reality of the matter is I was missing everything he had blessed me with in the first place. And I had never taken the time to look at the fruit of other Christians' lives around me. And this is kind of important. What is the fruit of success as we see it around us? Do we have success but no maturity? That's a serious question. Do we have the hardness of heart but a big house? Do we have nice cars but we still have wounds in our hearts that prevent us from building solid relationships with others and even from developing a solid relationship with Jesus? Do we have money and a nice job, but our families don't know us? Do we really know Jesus and have relationship with him, or are we just in this to try to pursue some form of success? All of these questions were answered, and God said he wasn't picking on me. He had not expected anything different from me than he expected from anyone else. The only difference was that I was willing to listen a little more closely, but only obey slightly more. Now, that wasn't a pride statement, and it wasn't a pat on the back. That was really a statement of, you are barely doing the minimum of what I have asked you to do anyways, so why are you complaining? Now, the truth is, I had no reason or right to complain. He had been trying to work in me to bring me to where I needed to be. And I was only doing the minimum, if even that in a lot of cases. 
truth be told, I'm still not certain I've done everything I ought to be doing, but I know I'm doing more of it. And that's the important point, is that you do more now than you did then, and you do more tomorrow and the day after and the day after than you did the day prior. And I also know that as I do more, I can do more because the more that I obey what the Lord has told me to do and obey his leading, the more I will have the maturity and the growth to be able to do the more that he's called me to. And there will always be more until the day that you die because you're not mature until you're in heaven. The reason I bring this up is because I did not include the last two verses from this section of the chapter, and we start in James chapter 5, verse 5 from the New King James Version. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. I'm not going to get into an anti-prosperity gospel or start ragging on the USA. This is something you can do in any country you live in and in any degree that you are capable of depending on your level of financial income and your understanding of luxury you can go a lot of different directions with this for me a luxury would be having a computer with all the bells and whistles for others like me it's having a massive server room in their house that costs a solid ten thousand dollars for some it's having a car for others it's having a mustang the definition can really change as you go. The focal point here is where, what you're pointed at. These are things you can attain while following after what Jesus has been leading you to. But these are the things that people typically ignore Jesus to try to attain on their own. The things we do, or rather don't do, to gain what we want are sometimes astounding. And honestly, we're all guilty of this. Every single person who's listening to this podcast, every single person who will listen to this podcast has done this at some point. We will sacrifice time with Jesus to watch movies or binge Netflix. We'll allow little sins, in air quotes, to have a little bit of pleasure. Now, this isn't a statement to try and guilt trip people into feeling bad. This is a serious consideration that we need to make not coming forward with the truth about something because you don't want people to know that you messed up would be something else that we do to try to cover up and allow little white lies because you can actually lie through exclusion of the truth. Uh, spinning the truth to make yourself not look as bad when everybody's staring at you with your pants down around your ankles because you've been caught in the middle of something. And I don't really need to go into all of the examples because I'm pretty sure you can fill in the blanks. But these are the things that we do. We do what we can to live in luxury and we don't count the cost of that luxury. As a result, typically, our relationships with Jesus and others suffer. The next part is where it gets really scary. James 5, verse 6. You have condemned, you have murdered the just... He does not resist you. We've gone over this a couple of episodes ago. I believe it was about three episodes ago. You have a judgment against someone. You have condemned them in your heart. You have murdered the just. Think back on what Jesus said. Matthew 5, verse 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But 
I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in the danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, we've covered these verses uh, rather decently in some previous episodes. I recommend backtracking some and going to listen to that. But the point is that this can easily be about your heart and not about physical acts of murder. We are not going to get off the hook very easily no matter how we try to spin this. So here are some things to consider. How many times have you gotten upset or angry with someone for telling you the truth? Whether directly or indirectly, you have been told by someone that you have a sin issue. You get angry because it goes against what you want. You get offended. You form a judgment against that person. I mean, how dare they tell you that you are living in sin? I mean, you're perfect, right? And everyone knows that the person that's telling you this thing isn't perfect. Well, no duh. But now you aren't just living in sin. You have a judgment against this person in your heart. And now you're guilty of murder. And they called out your sin, which was just the right thing to do. So now you have murdered the just in your heart. Congratulations. And in all of this, God did not resist you. And that's the scary part. Not once did God come against you and force you to behave. He let you exercise your free will to any degree and length that you wanted. He's waiting for you to make the right choice. And the closest he's come to try to get you to stop was sending someone your way to warn you of the danger you were in. And what did you do? Well, hopefully you responded well and said, thank you for telling me. But that's not typically how we respond to this. And this isn't really pointed at any one particular person, and it's not accusing anyone who's listening of this of being the one who's guilty of it. This is really bringing up the point that this is something that we have the capability of doing, and most of us have probably done. I know I have. Because normally we get bent out of shape and murder the messenger in our hearts. None of this really works out for us, does it? This really does pose a big problem for us in every single aspect and facet of this. Because right there in black and white it says that God does not resist us, either in the murder in our hearts or the very real murder back then. And all you have to do is turn on the 5 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock news, and you can see that murder is happening throughout our country at an ever-rampant rate because life is just not valued the way it used to be. But think about this for a second. Now, God did not resist Hitler. He did not resist Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, Mussolini, or Nero. The amount of freedom we have to do what we want is simply terrifying. And Jesus is just waiting for us to make the right choice. He won't resist your free will. Keep this last part in mind as we begin to move on here. We're going to be next in James chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. 
Farmers in ancient Israel were largely dependent on rain for their crops. They didn't have the fancy aqueducts of the Roman Empire yet. They had some retainer reservoirs, redirect dams, and so forth, but they were largely dependent on something they could not control. Just like God does not control us, and we do not control others, so just as a farmer must be patient and wait for the rain, so must we wait on the Lord. Wait for what? For him to provide. His timing is perfect. He won't give you anything too soon or too late. He knows what will keep you from harm. And he knows what will keep you from pride. It should be noted that the word patience in the Greek is makrothemeo. It means to be long in spirit or to not lose heart. And it comes from two Greek words, makros, meaning long, and thumos, meaning passion. So a good way of reading this would be to wait with long passion without losing heart. The next verse follows up with a command. James 5, verse 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Wait with long passion without losing heart. Establish or set your heart firmly, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We hear this all the time now. I do not think this is about Jesus coming in some distant time that even he doesn't know. I think this is really talking about the right here and now. The Lord is coming now. Just like the kingdom of God is at hand here and now, and we have access to it here and now, so is his presence. If there is justice that needs meeting out, trust Jesus to take care of you. He is coming. I did not say trust Jesus to take care of the other person as if he's going to get revenge on them. Trust that he is going to take care of you and your situation. Provision for food or money funds to pay bills and such. Be listening for his instructions for the next step and forgive the ones who have defrauded you, as we talked about in the last episode. Be patient as you wait for the answer. He does hear you. But your desires and his timing are two entirely different things. Also, don't shoot the messenger when it comes to being corrected. Seriously, if someone gives you some sort of correction, regardless of their tone, Ask Jesus about it. Always run it by Jesus. Don't wait around for somebody else's opinion. Find out what he has to say about it before you fly off the handle and shoot the messenger. I've had to go through this with some people. One person in particular brought up an area where they felt I was out of line. It rubbed me the wrong way, but I figured it was at least worth looking at because the person in question has a good walk with the Lord. It... I took it before Jesus and asked him what he thought. The issue was video games. The thing brought up was the reason and goal behind playing them. Now, yes, I do play video games from time to time. I play less than I used to because this podcast and other things in life have taken up a lot of my time. But I asked the Lord about the supposed issue, and here is what he said. The games aren't the problem. It is your heart and the reason for playing them. You use them to deal with stress and frustration rather than coming to me. Now, needless to say, and I will say it, this really hit me. 
I hadn't realized it before, but that was exactly what I was doing. It changed a lot of things up for me in that area. Now, I had to actually stop and ask the question, each time I picked up a controller, what am I playing for? Am I playing because I want something entertaining? Or am I playing because I'm avoiding dealing with an issue that I should be dealing with? That really changes the logic of why we play. Most people will never stop to think about that point, and that has changed a lot about what I do and why I do it. Sadly, the same individual who brought up that what they saw as an issue is still pressing that issue to this day. Uh, they're still convinced that the games are wrong and they still bring it up. I know what Jesus showed me and I know the work he has done in me as a result. So what do I do with this situation? Smile and nod. Bless them and love them. Be patient because sometimes people can be so far off on an issue it's somewhat comical. Just be patient with them and bless them. Remember that Jesus still loves them and their heart is probably in the right place, even if they don't necessarily have all the pieces. Their interpretation might, might not be complete, but they're going for something that is supposed to be your benefit. The important thing to focus on is your response to Jesus. As long as you have taken it to him and been obedient to what he has told you, who cares what anyone else has to say? Jesus has the final word. If he had told me to cut out video games altogether, I would have. But the issue was my heart, and if I had cut out the video games, I would have found something else to fill that space. I'm really good at that. So the Lord showed me the root of the issue, which was how I was dealing with life in general. And now this person can bring it up all day long and I can love them and be patient with them and know that I have the correct response when the issues arise, when I'm stressed out, when I'm dealing with d different stuff in life. I can actually take it and go before Jesus and get his input and his peace on it and his rest and not have to worry about sitting in front of a controller and a television for hours on end, blowing things up and fighting people just to make my stress go away. So now this person can bring this up all day long and I can love them and I can be patient. And one day Jesus will show up and tell them what is up. But that's not something I need to worry about or be concerned with. Suitable for the day are my own concerns and things that need to be worked out with the Lord. I don't need to worry about someone else's walk. So again, this all comes back to relationship with Jesus. It isn't about revenge or getting yours because the only thing you need to get in, in this world is the relationship with Jesus Christ and the provision that Jesus has for you. With that said, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had with you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision. And Lord, we do thank you for free will despite the fact that we don't use it as well as we ought to. But Lord, you are patient and you are willing to wait on us and work with us to deal with the issues. Father, we just bless the hearers of this message. Lord, we bless them with having an understanding of what they need to do with their lives in regards to provision, in regards to stress, in regards to messengers. Father, that they would have the wisdom and the understanding to respond correctly and to always pursue after you. And we give you the praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen.